Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Exurga deus dissipentur de nemici eius et fugiancio derunt deum a facia eius. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Archangelo, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diabolias do praesidium. Imperatilideus supplicas de precamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignosque ad perditionum animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum litrude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum, miserere nobis. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Speculum justitiae, ora pro nobis. Beatis Carolus et Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facium tuum et salvi erimus. Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I don't know where to begin on this. <clears throat> it's... If you would have told me that the United States of America was funding biological research labs around the world, <clears throat> I think there was a time where I would have said you were full of it. And I would have been confident that I was right. And now, nowadays, I wouldn't have been so sure actually after the Wuhan lab incident and finding out that IARPA and DARPA were involved in, try in evaluating whether or not they were going to fund research and then to find out that the NIH and the NIAID was actually funding research through the EcoHealth Alliance, with, uh, which was being led by one Peter Dajak and all with the tacit approval of one Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, it makes it much, much easier to believe that, yes, in fact, we do have bioweapons labs around the world. And here's the thing. We can talk about how, you know, oh, it's not exactly a bio, it's biosafety research or this, that, and the other. You can, you can try to split the hairs however you want. But the fact is, and this is the fact, is that they are conducting research on biological and chemical agents and trying to find ways to neutralize them so that they can be successfully weaponized. And whether or not they intend to actually carry it over that next step to actually make a weapon out of it is absolutely immaterial. Because once you have the safety mechanisms in place where you can release the antidotes for these agents, the agents themselves are now successfully weaponized and you can determine whether or not you distribute the antidote to whatever population around the world that seems to be affected by it. 
Because the fact is, is that all of this is in collusion with Big Pharma, which we know is mostly just out to make the money. And they make the money by creating the threat and then creating the cure to the threat. And <clears throat> anybody who thinks this is not the case fails to have read even the most basic novel based on bioterrorism. And I keep bringing this back. There's a particular book that I read there's a couple of books. One of them is actually World War Z. But you can also look back to I Am Legend. Where, yeah, it was taken way over the top. Where the entire human race was turned basically into vampires. Okay, cool. Way over the top. It was a vampire apocalypse instead of a zombie apocalypse. It was a zombie apocalypse instead of just a legit biological apocalypse. Like just the normal, holy crap, everybody's just dying in the streets apocalypse. Okay, I got it. They took it over the top. But the fact remains is that every single one of these apocalyptic movies begins with what? It, beca it begins with the United States trying to develop some sort of new thing. And usually it's written by people who were kind of in the know and are like, hey, this would make a horrifying story and I could make millions of bucks by telling it in a fictionalized capacity. There was one, it was a personal favorite of mine, where there was a zombie apocalypse released by Usamrid, accidentally, supposedly, Well, I say supposedly. <clears throat> if you can manage to find it, you'll know. Because because it's I think it's the only one that had the Usamrid uh, mentioned specifically as the source. <clears throat> and the book was originally, well, it was self-published. And it is, um, it should still be serialized somewhere on the internet. So it should be, you should be able to find it. But that was the personal favorite of mine because the stars of the show, you could say, the main characters in the book was a small post-apocalyptic army ranger unit that was pushing to retake America piece by piece. And it followed their story as they were continuing to discover all of the things that were going wrong. And it wasn't even like they were looking to find what was going wrong. They were just trying to retake New York. The city, the state, and eventually the eastern seaboard. And all of these apocalypse movies, these apocalypse books, because remember, you have World War Z, bio-research. You have... Um, I am legend. You had like all of them where some heinous disease pops out of nowhere. Where's it come from? It comes from, oh, you've actually come to think about it, even 28 days later. They all fall back on government research that just gets out of hand. The last two years of our lives was government research that got out of hand. And what do we find? Instead of having a modicum of self-reflection and saying, hey, we're kind of breaking all these laws. I mean, we're not really breaking the laws. We're kind of going around them in, in the most loose roundabout way that we can. But we're basically breaking all of these laws around the world. And we just got kicked in the butt with COVID. Maybe. Just maybe we should stop these things. And what happened instead? Instead, we get outed by the Russians and the Chinese for doing it again. And what happened? 
Oh, the news comes out. They 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 release their report and they're like a little little video clip and they go, hey, yeah, we found this, this, and this, and we found documentation to prove this, this, and this, and implicates directly the U.S. Department of Defense. I mean, they said the Defense Ministry, but whatevs. Their term, their terms, not ours. That implicates directly the Department of Defense. And what happens? USA Today. Oh no, that story's bunk. Do you have any proof? Well, sources. Well, what kind of sources? Sources from the people that we know you trust the least. The U.S. government. The State Department. The Department of Defense. The State Department just released a tweet earlier today saying, the United States does not own or operate any bioweapons labs in Ukraine. And we're fully in compliance with all of the applicable biological and chemical warfare treaties. Really? Well, we didn't ask if you owned or operated it. We didn't ask if you possess bioweapons. We asked if you were funding research. The question they left unanswered. And they left that question unanswered because it can't be found to be lying particularly about this. So they have to find another way to get around it. They have to find a way to dodge around the fact that we are complicit in bioweapons research globally. And in this, in all honesty, I kind of have to I kind of have to give a hat tip to Eric Kajewski over at Trad Cat Night, where we were t- because he and I were talking about the bioweapons uh, stuff, and he actually talks about the bioweapon stuff ra- rather regularly. Talks about Marburg and 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 various other and various other bio biological hazards and things to bring about the next pandemic. And I've been asking the question: Are we on the wrong side of things? Because it seems very much like we are. It seems like we're doing everything that we can to completely delegitimize the United States of America entirely. And not just the USA, but NATO, the European Union, and the entirety of Western civilization, the Western half of civilization today. Everything that's not Russia, China, India, the Middle East, and Africa. Right now, I'm not even joking, right now, some weird... Teal military uniform wearing, red beret wearing jackalope in the middle of a third world country in Africa, military dictator has more credibility right now than the president of the freaking United States. We are absolutely making it worse. And the thing that boggles my mind is that nobody, nobody seems to be paying attention. They're not looking and going, maybe we should dial this back. They're just kind of keeping going. Well, well, they haven't discovered this yet. They haven't discovered the bioweapons labs in Poland and Lithuania yet. They haven't discovered the bioweapons labs in in Sudan. They haven't discovered the bioweapons labs in Iraq. Or Jordan. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't even be surprised if we were funding a bioweapons lab in Iran. It's distinctively possible at this point that, and oh, hey, by the way, I know it's actually a Montana representative. I don't know if it's a senator or a congressman, but I know that one of the the politicians in the state of Montana is taking money from Mongolia. And I would not be surprised if that politician was funneling money to a bioweapons lab in freaking outer Mongolia. Now, none of the major na- major players in NATO is actually going to have the bioweapons lab. I know that much. You're not going to find a bioweapons lab in Portugal, Spain, the UK, France, Germany, 
You might find it in Switzerland. I doubt it, though. Austria. Hungary. You might find a bioweapons lab in Turkey that we're probably paying for. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if there was bio, if we were finding bioweapons research in Lebanon. Like, no joke. I mean, we have been playing so fast and so loose with this crap that it wouldn't surprise me if we got bioweapons labs in Morocco, in Chad, in Liberia, in Mozambique. Like, on it, like, no joke. I'm not joking when I say this. It would not surprise me in the slightest. They could come out and say that we were researching bioweapons technology and chemical weapons technology worldwide, that we have a thousand weapons labs scattered across 82 countries. From, from, the, southern, from the southernmost part of Chile all the way up through Central America. All the way into Mexico, even. It wouldn't surprise me at this point. And maybe it's not bioweapons. It could be chemical weapons, because chemical weapons is a thing. Although we haven't found, apparently, anything any more deadly than VX. And i got to be honest with you, VX has been around since the movie The Rock. And so I'm inclined to say that we probably have something worse. At least by now, we should. And the biolab in Ukraine on that list was anthrax. And we've been talking about weaponized smallpox. That's actually been in the psyche. I know I know Eric over at Tradcat Night because specifically because he tracks this stuff, glommed onto that first. And I know I didn't specifically talk about it because, well, <clears throat> bioweapons really <laughs> really wasn't my thing. Wasn't really looking into it, but when they discovered that vial in Pennsylvania, where there wasn't a bio lab, dear family, if you're in the United States and you haven't seriously begun considering and actually, and actually seriously weighing in the scales as to whether or not the United States of America is on the right side of things. Because here's the thing. If you told the average, the average person that the U.S. was funding bioweapons research in Ukraine, if you told the average person that the, that the NIH and, and the NIAID and IARPA and DARPA were looking into were looking into and or funding COVID nineteen, the development of COVID nineteen. Would anybody believe it? Well, we're running into a little bit of a problem because there is a genet there is a patented genetic marker for the spike protein that's in COVID-19 that it was patented by Moderna and it is present obviously both in COVID-19 and in obviously the vaccine. I just went over oh, I just went over this yesterday. I just went over this yesterday. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't believe it before, but I'm disinclined. Well, I, well I'm not going to say I didn't believe it. It was just still out there on the hairy edge of things that I wasn't particularly certain if I believed. But I'm coming to the point now where it's, it's getting very, very difficult for me to say, no, I don't believe these things. Did I actually believe that, you know, we're putting sterilants, things to make women incapable of having children, things that may make men that if they do, if they can manage to get, you know, have a child, has a high likelihood. I mean, we're talking recessive genes. Well, blue eyes is a recessive gene. Think of how many people have blue eyes. 
because we're talking about recessive genes right now. So think about how many people have blue eyes or blonde hair or any of the, or red hair or any of the other recessive genes that aren't, you know, they're not terribly common, but they show up often enough. And then remember that all of these people are the sort of people who have no problem in killing a baby in the womb. Not just killing a baby in the womb. Remember that these are also the same people who are willing to have babies killed in the womb specifically so that they can buy the parts, so they can create human-animal chimeras specifically so that they can continue to do this medical research. Because I will tell you right now that the HEK-293 cell line that all of this stuff was supposedly tested with isn't going to be enough to make mouse kidneys human enough to be infected by a disease that is only transmissible to humans. You're not going to make mouse lungs human enough using HEK-293. The only way you're going to do that is you're actually going to end this. And by the way, if you really want to, like, if you want to check this out for yourself, you can find it because human, the process of humanizing an animal involves taking the stem cells and tissue from an aborted baby and grafting it onto the animal that you are trying to humanize. So in the case of mice, they took baby scalps and they grafted those baby scalps onto mice and were able to get hair to grow from those baby scalps for months. And I know right now you're thinking this is horrifying, but they've done it. And I will tell you that the only way that you get the baby scalp to be viable is that you kind of need the whole head and you need it to be alive up until the point of transplantation. Dirty American medical secrets. And they're not secrets because they're doing all that great of a job of hiding it. They're secrets because, like, <laughs> well, in the same way that we ended up with so, much, with, with so much Protestantism in the world, and everybody thinking that the Vatican archives were some kind of super secret thing, the actual fact is, people just don't look. They don't have to super qualify. They don't have to super classify stuff. They don't have to classify stuff. So, you know, G14 super top secret in order to keep the average American away from it. The average American just doesn't have to know about it. Now, if you want to go to the State Department website in Ukraine, you go to the Wayback Machine and you can actually pull up the State Department website. And you can find out that at one point in time, the U.S. State Department was proud of the fact that we were doing biological weapons research. Now, they didn't say it was weapons research. Biological research for anthrax and other various, various diseases that if they ended up in the hands of terrorists, we would have some semblance of a way to defend ourselves because we would have the antidotes. Well, isn't that Nice. <clears throat> I will tell you, <laughs> I will tell you that listening to the report on a mainstream media channel, because here's the thing. <clears throat> By the time I sat down to watch Tucker Carlson, because I do always want to know what he's talking about, because what he's talking about is what the normal, you know, semi-conservative, you know, like the legitimately sort of conservative 
free thinking Christian, whatever, like that, that sort of off to the right side, um, American is thinking, because whatever it is he's talking about, he's actually on the mainstream pulse. And by the time I got to his news report, I had already received the same news report two other times, two other times, not from all the same sources. Two other times. Because it was a big enough story. Because it's important enough. Because we do actually have to know what our government is doing. Because how can we tell them no if we don't? And that's really where the issue comes into play. Because we live in a country that likes to promote itself as a democracy. I mean, it's not a democracy. It was never a democracy. But we like to tell ourselves that. Gracious. Truly, I hate this so, so much. I put on the uniform for God and country. I got involved with all these excursions, mostly because I believed in them. And then I find that Yugoslavia was the result of a color revolution that we executed. Afghanistan would eventually turn out to be such a raucous debacle that anything we thought we were gaining while we were there, anything we thought we were doing, psh, yeah, right. We go to Iraq, and then we bungle it up enough to create ISIS, destabilize the entire region, make all the wrong decisions when it comes to Iran, for what? To do what? When we pulled all our boots off the ground in Afghanistan, we left as many as 13,000, 13,000 Americans and foreign nationals, people who were not Afghan. And then we exfilled something like 100 or 200,000 Afghans without vetting, without actually looking into their backgrounds, and just dropped them off in places like southern Indiana and Kentucky and Florida and Texas and Oklahoma and the Virginias. Mostly Virginia, less West Virginia, but a little bit to West Virginia, too. Just... Let them go out there. We left the people who helped us behind. Not all of them, to be sure. Many did get out. We did absolutely nothing right. And that's the thing that's really getting to me is because we did nothing right. We left the Taliban with $86 billion in weapon systems. And to be sure, a lot of those weapon systems, they're not going to manage to keep running for very long because our weapon systems require high-tech people to maintain them. They're not even, they're barely going to be able to maintain, they're barely going to be able to maintain the rifles because our rifles are too precision engineered. We left night vision. Dear family, when I joined the military, 
the U.S. military was the only one with good night vision capability. We were the only ones with the top-of-the-line thermal and, and infrared technology. They used to refer to us as ghosts in the night. And we just left all that stuff behind. And like I said, to be sure, they're not going to be able to use a lot of it. Because they don't have the resources. <clears throat> Yet. But I knew, I knew at the very moment when I caught myself on the wrong side of the political spectrum, looking at a court-martial, when the dust settled, I was willing to actually start taking a better look, a closer look. And I started seeing that more more and more of what I thought was the right thing, more and more what I thought was the good thing, wasn't. And I spent years not thinking about it. Because it's very difficult to look back and see what your country decides to do and your participation in it and have it not sully and dirty and poison your memory. But one year after another, since this whole thing has popped off in 2020, I have watched as they have managed to crap all over the things that I believed were noble, the sacrifices I was making for what I believed was the cause of liberty. But there's a huge difference between the cause of liberty and the empire. And we never took up the mantle. We never said that we were the American empire, but we were the American empire. And I remember thinking about that with pride. Happy that my country was the empire that wasn't really an empire. But as we've crossed over into these last few years, this last decade, Dear family, I don't even think the Soviet Union was as bad as what we've done. I mean, they went into Afghanistan and they butchered a whole bunch of people. But they sent five million troops into Afghanistan trying to subdue Afghanistan, and we managed to get that done with 50,000. I mean, we had... Hundreds of thousands cycle through Afghanistan. But for the most part, we didn't have more than 50 to 75,000. 75,000 at the most. But typically right around 50,000. With 50,000 troops, we were able to, quote-unquote, maintain control of a country approximately the landmass of California. And we told them it was for their good, and we wanted to bring them freedom and democracy and all of these all of these things. Now, granted, I'm not a big, like I said, I've never been a fan of democracy. I've never believed that America was a democracy. We've always, we were always a republic. And yet, and yet, and yet. We toppled Libya. Libya. How many people have died since? I mean, in the toppling of Libya, it was probably a few thousand in the act of toppling. But since then, how many people have died? Nobody's really keeping the numbers because, I mean, you can't. 
Afghanistan, how many people are dying today? We don't even know because we don't even report out of Afghanistan anymore. We can't see what the Taliban's doing. We don't know what they're doing and their havoc, that, that whether or not they're wreaking havoc. And I assume to some degree they are because they were always a little bit wonky. But how many did we actually directly kill? 10,000, 20,000, 50,000? Estimates in Iraq are up to 200,000. How many did we kill in Syria? How many did we kill fighting ISIS? How many people did we cause the death of in Libya? Or what about Yemen, for that matter? I mean, they're still butchering each other out there, and they wouldn't be butchering each other out there had we not done something out there. Something to just kind of, you know, give Saudi Arabia a little extra nudge. Saudi Arabia, that bastion of human rights. How many thousands of people did we kill in Kosovo? I mean, granted, it wasn't many when I was there, but when I got there, we had already been done by four months bombing the ever eleven daylights out of them. I used to say that freedom that that uh, freedom didn't really kill anybody. But communism killed lots. And to be sure, communism still, I'm, I mean, unless we manage to somehow murk 100 million people over these, last, over these last 50, 60 years, I don't think we beat them. But in our gallivanting around the world and playing these games, we've killed hundreds of thousands of people. Supposedly spreading liberty. Except that, you know, liberty didn't take in Vietnam. And liberty didn't take in North Korea, although we did although we did manage to get it to kind of take in South Korea for all the good that's doing them right now. We vaporized two cities in Japan. We firebombed dozens of cities in Germany and in Europe. And I say firebombed because firebombing is the best way. I mean, when you bomb a city to the point where a fire, where when you're done bombing through the course of the hour to two hours after you're done bombing, a firestorm, including tornadoes of flame, sweep around the city. What in Germany that did that? Germany, I think, killed 60 people in the Blitz, in the London Blitz. 60. We have one airplane kill more people than that when we were bombing, when we were bombing Germany. There is a Catholic theory, it's called the Just War Theory. I know you know it, because chances are, if you listen if you listen to this podcast, then you're a traditional Catholic, and you know that there are specific... You may not know specifically what they are, what the criteria for just war is, but there are specific criteria for just war. And I will tell you that the United States of America has not engaged in a just war since as far back as the Cold War. The closest you can get is World War II. The closest you can get is World War II. And even that gets muddied up by our pre-war involvement in the whole situation. Ah, but we defeated the Nazis. At what cost? At what cost? How many civilians died in those fire bombings? Want me to paint a picture for you? We did not, we didn't, I don't even think we lost a half a million tro troops. I don't think the United States lost even a half, half a million troops. It might be right around a half a million. Germany lost 30 million. 
Russia lost about 30 million. Let me put that in perspective. World War I, which was the bloodiest meat grinder in the history of the world up to that point, cost 30 million lives on all sides. On all sides of the war, 30 million lives were lost. And we killed 30 million. Just on our own. No, but they were massacring the Jews, and they may have killed as many as 8 million people, if not more. 8 million is not 30. It's not. And as I understand it, and I could be mistaken, it was 30 million in Europe. That does not include the millions in Japan and the two cities that were vaporized. Supposedly military targets, supposedly. But I'm kind of curious how Edo, excuse me, how Tokyo wasn't a little bit more, or Kyoto. You went after the two dioceses, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Didn't go after the rest of it, Didn't hit central Honshu. It's insanity. It's the only way I can describe it. It's insanity. Korea wasn't a just war. A just war should have been against an imminent threat. And as much as you can make the case, the fact is, is that Korea was Korea. Korea was not California. It was not Hawaii. It was not Guam. And right now, South Korea is thanking us. Ish. Vietnam was not just. Panama wasn't just. Nicaragua wasn't just. Grenada wasn't just. Iran-Contra wasn't just. We destabilized Colombia and we didn't dest and we're not destabilizing Venezuela doesn't make a lot of sense. We let Hugo Chavez go. We just let him run it run it all. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you let Maduro go? To the point where we're negotiating with it. we're negotiating with him for oil now. Why would you do that? Vietnam wasn't even our war. It was a French war. It was a French war that cost a lot of Vietnamese lives, that cost 58,000 U.S. soldiers, that scarred the remainder, the ones who came home, for life. be it the effects of Agent Orange or PTSD or any or any of the myriad of other problems that the soldiers faced when they came home. <coughs> <coughs> Vietnam is still the number one cause of veterans' homelessness. So you got Vietnam, the number one cause of veterans' homelessness, and GWAT, which is the number one cause of veteran suicide. Because it kind of takes a toll on you when you go overseas for 18 months or 15 months or 12 months or 9 months and then you come home and then you go back and then you come home and then you go back and then you lose your wife and you lose your kids. And oh hey by, and oh, hey, by the way, you lose, your, you lose your mental stability. 
in part, no small part, because you lose your wife and your kids. And you leave us all with the one question, which is, Afghanistan was for what? Not everybody, not everybody is capable of looking at Afghanistan, of looking at their time in Iraq and knowing that the principal mission for their time there was to bring all of their friends and family, all of their friends, all of their all of their comrades, their brothers in arms, to get them all home. And the ones who have the toughest time are the ones who leave their comrades behind. Or more accurately, send them home early. In a box. And this was all for what? So Exxon could get a better deal? So Pfizer could build a new weapons lab? So Raytheon could get another contract? Or General Dynamics get a new vehicle design? Or BAE Systems open up a new a new warehouse distrib- distribution center? Or Kellogg, Brown, and Root, and Halliburton? To have a new nation where they can put in some infrastructure and make, and make loads and loads of money? <laughs> so we could step back our role and create an organization like Blackwater. And so we can hide everything. We allow intelligence agency contractors to fill in the gaps where there should just be American agents. Because we couldn't possibly, we don't want to have the large standing army. We don't want to have all of these systems. So instead, we'll hire contractors. We'll get civilians to do it. Where are the civilians coming from? Well, I mean, they were all veterans. They're, you know, they're all, they're all former you know, they're all former CIA officials and former and former soldiers and former sailors and former Marines and former airmen. And we'll get them. They can they can build their companies and they can make loads and loads of money as they send as they send people off who are not American soldiers, who are not subject specifically to the Geneva Conventions and who just have to find a way to fend for themselves. And in the meantime, everybody makes billions. So we can open up new markets and reform their economies after the serious image of the American economy. And while we're at it, we'll secretly fund bioweapons labs. But we won't do it ourselves. It won't necessarily be directly like, you know, DARPA or the NIAID or the NIH. We'll get we'll get some proxy agency like the Eco Health Alliance to do it. We won't own the bioweapons labs in Ukraine. The Ukrainians will own it. We'll just, you know, direct the money and, and the programs and the research programs. And don't worry, it's not like Russia will actually invade. It's not like Russia and China are two biggest adversaries who we made adversaries. This is the thing that I never understood. I didn't really think about it too much as a young man. But this is one of the things I never understood as a young man. Was with the collapse of the Soviet Union, why didn't we open up trade? Why didn't we bring them into the fold? Why instead did we choose to alienate them? And it was our choice. Make no mistake. I 
I mean, we were all, hey, let's open up China to the World Trade Organization and let's get them in and we'll help them build up and this, that, and the other, and they'll never do evil things. Maybe we can, maybe we can buy them out of communism. Because that worked. But you had former Soviets, you had millions of former Soviets who were dying to get away from the Soviet system, who were dying to get away from Soviet communism. Why didn't we bring them in? Why did we alienate them and at the same time drop our trousers around our ankles and bend over the table for China? We gave them all of our manufacturing and we didn't even learn the lesson fully because, you know, COVID breaks out in 2020 and then we find out, oh, hey, where's all our PPE made? Oh, crap, that's right, China. Where's our antibiotics made? Well, most of the stuff that goes into them is made in China. Where's all our clothing made? China. Where's, like, where's everything made? China. How come you can walk into, you can walk into Walmart and buy Chinese crap, but you couldn't walk, but you couldn't walk in and find, you know, stuff may be made in the USA? Oh, because stuff that's made in America is way too expensive and we can't afford to have that. So we'll just buy, so we'll just buy the Chinese crap until the Chinese crap is no longer crap. None of it made any sense. The Soviet Union fell and we didn't bring Russia into the fold. And we probably should have. But now, Russia, India, China, they're looking at, you know, maybe just pushing back a little bit. India, worried that they're going to get sanctioned by America. Why? Because they bought missile systems from Russia to protect themselves from China. Because we wouldn't sell them the missile systems, or more accurately, probably just cost them too much. And now the president's looking at imposing sanctions on India. Really? Not to put too fine a point on it, but have you called tech support for your average large American company? Have you called your bank and gotten forwarded to the fraud department? Most IT quote-unquote, in America. You're not getting a hold of Americans. And you're going to sanction them? I mean, seriously, at this point, why don't we just sanction Taiwan and just call it done? Then this way we'll never actually get another, we'll never get another chip for our cars. We'll never, you know, we won't be able to buy computers or the new smartphones or any of that crap because, well, you know, we just sanctioned the people who were supplying us. We're going to stop buying Russian oil. We're not going to dig for our own. And if it seems ridiculous, <coughs> I'm afraid I have to remind you. <coughs> Oy, my hands still smell like jet fuel. It's wonderful. Eau de Embraer. <coughs> lest we forget it was part of the plan in the first place. You want to know why all of these things just keep to seem, seem to keep happening? It's because it's part of the plan. We've got the perfect opportunity to destroy all American credibility, and we're going to take advantage of it. 
We've got the perfect opportunity to destroy the world, the world reserve currency, the dollar. The money that backs all transactions. We're gonna, we've got the perfect opportunity, and we're going to destroy it. Because it's time. It's time to get the United States of America completely out of the way, because they were the global hegemony, and look at what they've done with it. And the worst part about it is... Are they wrong? We get all bent around the axle. Everybody remembers the Cuban Missile Crisis. We're 60 years removed from the Cuban Missile Crisis. And everybody remembers it. And yet, for some reason, the same country that is very sensitive about the Cuban Missile Crisis, that reacted in the way that we did, like we almost went to nuclear war over the Cuban Missile Crisis, somehow missed that doing the same thing to Poland and Lithuania and, and Estonia and Latvia and Ukraine, we somehow missed that that would be the same thing. And Joe Normie out there is looking at it going, ah, we need to support Ukraine. So I'm going to ask the same question that should have been asked for every conflict that we ever got involved in. Why? Why did we need to get involved in the First World War? Why did we need to get involved in the Second World War? Why did we need to get involved in Korea? Why did we need to get involved in Vietnam? And oh, hey, by the way, if you wonder why I went all the way back to the First World War, because if we didn't get involved in the First World War, would we have gone into the Second? Would we have even, would that have, would the Second have even started? Would the Second World War have actually even started? Would we have gotten drawn in by Japan? Probably not, because if we wouldn't have gotten involved in the First World War, we wouldn't have had Britain dismantle its ships and say that we'll go ahead and take care of the Navy, and, or we'll go ahead and take care of the Seven Seas, and then, and then neglect to continue to keep trade up between Japan and the West, meaning the, U uh, well, the UK and us, maybe, just a little bit. I mean, we missed kind of a financial opportunity on that one. I don't understand why, but whatevs, we missed it. Okay, cool. But if we wouldn't have gotten involved in the First World War, we probably wouldn't have even started the Second World War. And no Second World War, well, you could take Korea off the table. You could take Vietnam off the table, Panama, Grenada, Nicaragua. Because America would have actually legitimately been non-interventionist. Oh, well, we can't afford to go back to that. Well, guess what? We're going back to that. Whether you like it or not, we're going back to that. Because that's exactly the direction that we're headed. So congratulations. The we can't go back to being non-interventionist crowd? Well, guess what? You're about to lose that argument ad infinitum. want to go gallivanting around the world and build an empire, but not call it an empire. We didn't actually go and take the land like we should have because that's what you do when you conquer places. You go, you take the land. But whatevs, again, you know, who am I to judge? It's not like I'm a student of history. Oh. Huh. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We need to pray. We need. We really need to make this Lent a holy Lent. If you're in the United States of America, if you're married to an American citizen, if you like the United States of America, you need to add us to your intentions and you need to fast and pray and do penance and make reparation. You need to make offerings like the golden arrow. You need to... <clears throat> you need to... <clears throat> We got to do all this because the chastisement's coming. And mind you, we're not praying to avoid the chastisement because that's coming whether we like it or not. It's already here. $7 a gallon gasoline in California. The, let's put this in perspective. The day before yesterday, 
as as you hear this, not as I'm recording this. The day before yesterday, gas was 20 cents less expensive. You go back 14 days, gas was 50 cents less expensive. In the time from yesterday to today as I record this, gas went from 4.79 or excuse me, from 3.79 to $4 a gallon. in 24 hours. Last week, gas was 3.49. In the country, as I understand it, it's like 4.10, 4.12, something like that. California, it's already over seven, which means in New York, it's at least 6.50. I haven't seen gas prices this high since I was living in Alaska during the regime of Barack Obama. And in Alaska, because there are no refineries up there, there's only oil, like there's oil fields. You, we get the oil out, but we have to send it away to get it refined. So we get the oil out, we send it away, we get it back, we buy the gas. It's wonderful. That's why gas prices are so high in Alaska. Gas was $4.24 in Alaska at the same time that in America it was at $3.40, $3.40, The last time I saw gas prices this high, there was a reason because, <clears throat> because they had to send the oil out and they had to get the gasoline and they had to buy the gasoline back. I live in a town with a refinery. We're like the first stop in the deliveries. They literally, they only actually have to drive like across the street in order to hit most of the gas stations in town. <clears throat> are you ready for, are you Ready for $7 a gallon gasoline where you are if you're not in California and New York right now? California and New York, are you guys ready for $12 a gallon? For that matter, dear family, are you ready for $10 a gallon? Or $3 a liter? Because that's where we're headed. And when gas is $10 a gallon... Chicken is going to be $18 a pound, $20 a pound. Actually, I haven't bought meat in a while because, well, I had a freezer. I've got a freezer full of meat. <clears throat> I haven't had to buy meat in a long time. But you're talking $20 a pound for steak, $25, $30 a pound for steak, normal steak. Probably something close for chicken and pork. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for $10 for a carton of eggs? Are you ready for $10 for a gallon of milk? <clears throat> Mentally, I'm ready for it. And the first time that I go to the first time I go to pull my wallet out to actually make that payment, I'm going to hurt so bad I think I'm gonna cry. Because it sucked the wind out of me this morning. Going from forty to fifty dollars for a fill up. In a week. The chastisement's already here. It's wars and rumors of wars, but it's gonna be famine. That's happening. 
It's going to be the weirdest looking famine that you've ever seen because it's going to be food all over the place. Assuming there's food all over the place and you're not going to be able to buy it. Because we will be going through what Weimar Germany went through. <clears throat> because we will be going through what the former Soviet Russia went through. And to put it back in perspective, like I mentioned once before, I think about a week ago. Fathers, it's going to get so bad that your daughter becoming a mail-order bride is going to be a good thing for the family. You can doubt me if you want to. But everybody else has already gone through it. And it looks... Like by 2030, it'll be our turn. Pray that we never get there. Literally pray. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Nomine Patri sit filiat spiritus sancti. Amen. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.